and welcome to episode 5 of Oh Brother, What Are We Watching? Two brothers discussing pop culture with a geeky bent. And I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Chris. How's it going, Chris? Uh, I'm very well, Steve. How are you? Fantastic. We are going to get, talk about one of our favourite sitcoms today in Seinfeld. But wow. before we get to that, Chris, let's start with some news nuggets, um, as Please. I'm going to call them from now on. Um, <laughs> we'll have an audio drop-in in the future, Chris, right? We're going to yeah. create one that'll be a really big thing, really big scene. Right. Yeah. Uh, just as a reminder from our last episode, in addition to iTunes, you can now hear us on Stitcher.com and TuneIn.com. So no excuses. You can get your fix on the move, at your desk, on a crane, anywhere and everywhere. You can listen to the Brothers Jones. Also, Chris, we've started getting some listener feedback. I love it. Let's hear it. Well, I'm not going to read out the, the gushing iTunes reviews. Just gushing. No. Five stars no, each one. Know, people can go onto iTunes to read them their, themselves, obviously. That's right, Chris. They can go to iTunes and read them themselves. And, and leave while them... they're there... <laughs> Leave one for us there, and on TuneIn.com <laughs> and on Stitcher.com. Remember, uh, more reviews we get, more chance that other people have got of finding us. Although, you should see the stats, Chris. Lots of reviews from around the world in terms of downloads. So, hopefully, if you're listening to this outside of our uh, <laughs> our friends and family, welcome. <laughs> the hype is real. The hype is... Uh, the hype, if it exists, is real. Uh, but in addition to the <laughs> lovely reviews, we've also had a listener warning. So apparently, Chris, we are not to watch Richard Kelly's The Box. It was described in two words to me, rambling shite. So apparently okay, we've not sure. to bother. <laughs> All right, well, that's good. And that's something for us to pass on to the listeners then. Um, uh, you know, to, to one and all, avoid Richard Kelly's The Box. If, unless you like rambling shite. Unless you like rambling shite. In which case, seek it out. Absolutely, absolutely. And by all means, jump in the comments on Facebook <laughs> or tweet us. Uh, we love talking to you all. Um, and speaking of which, our final little bit of news is our first big celebrity follow, Chris. Uh, mm, a big first old of brother. Many. First of many. A big old brother hello to Drusilla herself, <laughs> Juliet Landau, who tweeted us after our Buffy episode and now follows yeah. us on Twitter. I can only assume, Chris, she's now a rabid follower. She is a Juliet fan now. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Yep. Yes, that's going to stick. <laughs> we should absolutely do a Buffy follow-up and get her on board, because I assume she now listens to every episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll conference her in. That's, that's perfect. We have the technology. We can do we it. We do. I should hope so. Yeah. Now, Chris, let's talk some Jerome and talk about Seinfeld. Now, Chris, as we revisit one of these top sitcoms from our youth, um, I would actually posit that it's my favourite US sitcom of all time. Yeah, it's certainly uh, it's certainly up there for me. I don't know if I could quite put it at the top, um, but certainly, it, it's it's certainly a contender. And from that era, it's uh, it's untouched by anything, uh, as far as I'm concerned. So a quick Jones Brothers background here. So how it all started for us was probably through me, Chris, as a teenager. Yeah, yeah this a, one this one was on you. It was on me. I had a small TV in my bedroom and. When not watching uh, cable TV or illicit Channel 4 softcore porno, um, I would sometimes uh-huh. catch late night comedies, uh, such as they were. Mm-hmm. And on BBC Two, there was this rather run-of-the-mill comedy called The Platypus Man, which, from memory, was not great. Um, I don't think it was... No. I can't remember anything it's, about I it. I certainly don't think it stood the test of time. We're not doing a podcast on The Platypus Man, I don't think. It's going to be a good... <laughs> Uh, barometer on this uh but following this show was an episode of a show called seinfeld which i did enjoy and eventually after the platypus man kind of disappeared 
the double bill would come back to BBC Two and it'd be Seinfeld followed by Larry Sanders show, which is just mm-hmm. oh god, two back to back episodes of Genius every week for years. But eventually through yeah. um, uh, BBC and then Sky and reruns, our entire family, Chris, would then sit down and watch um, episodes talking about Festivus, Puddy, Uncle Leo and more uh, to mm-hmm. this day. So, Chris, do you remember your first exposure to Seinfeld? Um, as always, very well. Oh, yes. The, um, the famous fan-friendly memory, which you're all talking about. <laughs> we need a drop for that as well. Start thinking. Uh, if any fans want to create any drops, actually, we'll use them. How's that? Yeah, so I remember I have a very specific uh, and fairly unpleasant memory. Um, so you had been talking to me for a while about Seinfeld, sort of quoting it and then being like, oh, oh, wait, you don't know. You haven't watched it. You haven't seen it. You must watch it, you know. but That sounds like me, yeah. It was late. At, yeah, it was on late. I think it was on about 11.45, um, so quite late on a, on a weeknight. Now, I could be wrong on this. I could be possibly even conflating two memories, so I, I will admit that I am fallible here. But um, as memory serves, you didn't necessarily have a, uh, a VCR or tape recorder at the time, and I did. Um, so I think I asked you to tape it for me because it was before the days of the internet and programmable VCRs, or at least I didn't have a programmable VCR. So, um, you right. physically came into my room while I was sleeping <laughs> to tape an episode of Seinfeld for me to watch. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I wasn't feeling particularly well that evening. And, uh, so the first image I had of Seinfeld was just as I leaned over my bunk to throw up on the floor, uh, as you were quite quietly <laughs> trying to record it for me. <laughs> um, then the next day, uh, we sat down and watched it. Now, um, I can't remember the exact name of the episode, you will, uh, but it's the one with the car uh, where Jerry's car gets B.O. Somebody drives it with such... Oh, it's not B.O., it's beyond B.B.O. It's, it's, it's B.B.O., B-B-O. yeah, exactly. Um, and that, that was my... I think it's just called The Smell. I think it is, yeah. Um, again, I want to see it season four or five. Um, and that, that was my first sort of experience of it, and uh, I, I very much enjoyed it. And I think from then, uh, you know, you tried to record it so that we could watch it together at a more sensible time in the morning. Absolutely. I can't remember my first episode exactly, but I think it was the end of season three, because I seem to remember watching it getting quite um quite enjoying it with the the double bill of the platypus man (laughs) and then a double bill came along which i think was the keys which was the end of season three where uh kramer is forced to go to los angeles and is accused of murder Um, (laughs) lots of uh lots of law and order references and things like that if memory serves but very much loved in the jones household and now yep. today we're going to come back and we're going to focus on the the pilot and the finale, just like we did for Buffy, Chris. So the pilot, which was called the Seinfeld Chronicles, or actually not officially, but it's called several things. But mm-hmm. the first episode proper is uh, from 1989. So it makes you feel a little bit old at this point. Um, I would have been seven. You would have been even less than that. I would have been two. <laughs> so let's let's get into it, Chris. Let's talk about let's talk about the pilot. And the first thing that stands out to me, and we'll we'll go through it briefly, but a lot of the building blocks are really in place, actually. It is a show about nothing. That's the famous line that's always associated with Seinfeld. And that certainly yeah. comes to the fore in the pilot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 the plot is is so bare bones, you know, uh, an old... Is, is she actually an old flame? Or certainly an old friend of Jerry's is coming to town. 
I think it's a friend of Jerry's has come to town and she's uh, he's in, he's interested in her and he's getting mixed messages from her whether this is potentially romantic. He cannot read the signals. He doesn't know what's going on. And uh, yeah, you know, he seeks advice from all his friends. He doesn't know what's what. And and that's that is the show. You know, that's a whole episode. That's the whole episode. That's a very Seinfeld thing to do, although as the show would progress, it would actually get into a bit more complicated with two or three or four plots going on rather than just the one. Mm-hmm. Um, but we start off in the coffee shop, Chris, which, although it looks different to how the shop would look like in the rest of the series, it's a very familiar setup. You've got George and Jerry having a conversation about nothing, talking about coffee and... and buttons on shirts. Buttons. And about the position of buttons on shirts. Yeah. That's how the show starts. Yeah, very much so. As you say, a lot of the, the building blocks are there. We have... Yeah, we have the, the, the chemistry. And I mean, that's something something I picked up on straight away is is for all the things that would change um, and, and all the things that weren't quite there yet as far as the pilot goes, the chemistry between the cast is, is already firmly in place. You know, the interplay between Jerry and George mm. feels very, very natural as it, as, as it has to for a show like this to work. The, the, the relationship between uh, Kramer or as he's... he's dubbed in this episode Kessler and Jerry is is much of what we'll we'll come to see in the future mm-hmm. yeah you know it's not quite we don't quite have the same relationship that George and Kramer will have in the future but you know this it, this is the chemistry you know they all work very well together very quickly yeah exactly and the scenes that are set up you could see them being performed by the actors at pretty much at any stage in the show so mm-hmm. the coffee shop scene is, is a typical scene where they are uh, <laughs> sitting down talking about a problem that jerry has which is a girl of course mm-hmm. um that thing doesn't really remain unchanged the only difference really is that in terms of the characterization um it's a little bit different um george is kind of a, a know-it-all guy who's giving jerry girl advice which wouldn't really happen too much in the show at least not with any good effect yeah um he's He's certainly not looked upon as an expert as the show goes forward. He's the loser, as, uh, <laughs> as Elaine would dub him. Yeah. And of course, there is no Elaine in the pilot. That's a big change from the regular show. And it's certainly something I missed. It evolved. Yeah. I enjoyed watching the pilot again, Chris, but certainly the show misses Yeah, I, I, was, I was sort of relieved, actually, because the last time uh, prior to this I'd watched the pilot, I was watching it with my wife. Um, and I was sort of trying to get her into Seinfeld and ultimately she actually gave up on it. She was like, I'm sorry, I'm just not in- enjoying it. And so when I was watching the pilot and some of those earlier episodes, I wasn't watching them so much through my own eyes, knowing what would come and, 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 you know, knowing the characters better. I was trying to watch it through the eyes of someone who had never seen it. And I was sort of like, oh it is quite different and the, the the pace is a little slower and and yeah certainly in that first episode you, you're missing the female presence you're missing elaine i was i was relieved watching it again this time that i did still uh laugh out loud and and enjoy a lot of the interplay between the characters um but it's it's very male yes and and yeah it it does it does miss that sort of more feminine grounding i think that that rounded out the show one of the things they also miss is that energy that uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus brings to the cast, I think. She is, yeah. at times, um, very, not manic is maybe the wrong term, but she is, yeah. uh, she's a huge bundle of energy and she's just in, in her own, just very funny. She's one of the yeah. funniest female uh, comedy actresses, I think, going, um, of course it's female comedy actresses. Sorry, let me say that yeah. again. <laughs> 
She's certainly one of the, the funnier female comedy actors um, today in Veep. Watching the pilot without Elaine, it does feel like there's something missing. In addition to, as you said, Chris, the, the small little changes. So uh, the way the show is constructed, it's a little bit different. It's one plot instead of multiple plots, but also um, we get those stand-up scenes over and over and over again. In a 22 minute episode. A lot of Jerry stand-up in this. There's a lot um, of Jerry stand-up. And if you don't like uh, what's the deal with airline peanuts or <laughs> <laughs> what's the deal with New England anyway. Yeah. Um, kind of jokes. Uh, you might wonder why they made a show about him. But really the genius of Seinfeld is taking that uh, stand-up comedy which he was famous for and putting it into a sitcom environment. It is mm. genius. Now I do want um, to just interject quickly if I may. On. Um, just on, on that note. It's something we are going to come back to. Um, you know, about why the show maybe uh, in this country hasn't had the same kind of popularity and, and hasn't sort of withstood the years. Um, and it's just a little bit about the stand-up, actually. Um, and again, I, I'm only bringing this up because that was one of the things my wife said okay. when, when she gave up on the show. She was like, I don't like those stand-up bits. I really don't oh, like wow. it. And she really wasn't enjoying Jerry's stand-up. And I think... There is this, there is this genuine uh, scholarly theory around comedy and time frames uh, that essentially says that you know comedy has an, an expiration date, and if you haven't enjoyed it in the appropriate time frame, you'll probably struggle to watch it after the fact. Oh. Which is why, you know, for example, if you look at our favorite comedy films, there's maybe a couple from the seventies, two or three. Quite a few from the 80s, quite a few from the 90s, um, and so on and so forth. Right. Because we enjoyed them in a fairly timely manner. I don't, you know, I, I don't love comedies from the 40s or 50s. Not that, you know, I, I couldn't even name any. Part of the theory is essentially they're not really relevant to you. Uh, and, and they form building blocks for what comedy will become. So you kind of see them as more stripped back or whatever else. And I think this is doubly true for stand-up. Unless, I think I think often it's the case, unless you enjoyed a stand-up at roughly the period they were doing their thing, it's very hard to watch them later on. Um, I mentioned in our Truman episode uh, watching some of Jim Carrey's stand-up from back in the 90s. Right, okay. And it was fucking unbearable. It, it was mm -hmm. completely unfunny, but the crowd was loving it. They were They were lapping it up. And I bet if I watched it, and if I was an appropriate age in the, the early 90s when he was doing that stand-up, I'm sure I'd have lapped it up too, because it would have been fresh and new and, and stuff I hadn't heard before. Whereas watching it back, it seemed really tired and played out and over the top. So I, I, I wonder, going back to Jerry, if, if that stand-up is very funny to us because we enjoyed it at the time. But I wonder if somebody news coming to the show, if the stand-up might be a barrier to them because it's a little dated, you know. Right. It's a guy talking about what's the deal with women? Why can't a guy get a, a girl in New York? What's going on? You know, it, it might not seem as fresh as it did at the time. Right. You're right. So, so my first of many um, attempts to urge our, our our listeners to to watch this show is give it time because the genius of Jerry's stand up does shine through um, as, as the show goes on. And I absolutely love the stand up bits at the start of the episodes. Well, I don't know what book you got there of Chris, but it is, it sounds excellent. And <laughs> it's a, it's a very good theory actually. And thinking about it now, you know, some of my favorite comedy films of all time, um, Blazing Saddles, 
come straight mm-hmm. to mind. Blazing Saddles would probably never be made nowadays. Oh, you couldn't. You just couldn't make that film today. Could you imagine the Twitter outrage over <laughs> some of the jokes and everything? Um, but yeah, the celebrities even... walking out of the, the screenings. Because exactly, of the, exactly. Yeah. Certain words said, which I will not even say on this podcast. Best not. <laughs> Best not, despite explicit I mention. I don't want to read that Juliet Landau has had to unfollow us following a Twitter shitstorm. Hashtag outrage, hashtag not my podcast. Hashtag Fandau. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No longer a fan though. No. Yeah, you're absolutely. I think you're right. Actually, you know, Bla- well, I never watched Blazing Saddles in the seventies because I'm not that old. But I did watch it um, with my with dad and you and you obviously as we were very young. Nowadays, would that film get made? I don't know. I don't even know if I could show a child of the nineties mm. or noughties even that film and say this is one of the funniest films of all time. And I think they would just have this pale expression. Exactly. No, I I really I I think that's hundred percent true. The uh the specific reference. I'll, I'll give for that that theory is I'd, I'd actually heard it through another podcast um which is the uh, far more um polished shall we say uh cracked.com podcasts so i think i think we'll, we'll come back to that theory chris about what um why maybe seinfeld for our listeners is not a, a bigger part of their comedy landscape than it was for us but thinking again back mm-hmm. to the, the pilot so one of the things that stood out to me in terms of what uh, remained in this show going forward was uh kessler slash kramer played by michael richards um chris his character's nailed pretty much from day one uh, yeah. the mannerisms the physical comedy that michael richards brings to the role is, is all here the um the guy who comes in next door to steal food to where he, yeah. he wears his bathrobe and he's he, bathrobe and he's described as a shut-in which is slightly different of course his name changes yeah but, but largely, it's all there. Yeah, I mean, his physical appearance is very slightly different. Um, you know, because, yeah, like you say, he, he he's wearing a bathrobe. He looks disgusting. <laughs> um, and as, as time moves on, he'll get a bit more of his sort of signature look, uh, which is a little bit mm. more clean cut. And actually, that's probably the moment that, that made me laugh the hardest when I was watching this back. You know, obviously, we've already had this big set up of jerry going like i'm watching the mets game don't tell me what's going on in the mets game it's a big deal and then uh kessler basically bursts into the apartment and he's like oh yeah. the mets really blew it tonight yeah, it's probably the, that is probably the funniest <laughs> single moment um in addition to and if you're a seinfeld fan listening to this you'll know what i'm talking about jerry slams the phone to bring it up to his hand which he does yep. several times in the show and he always does some he does various things with the phone as well um, but I've actually got that phone, Chris. I've got that old-fashioned yeah. rotary phone with the handle, and I can't do it. I I noticed that too because the first time I noticed him do it in the show was way later, and it abs- it, it absolutely had me in stitches. As as uh, as with a lot of things in the show, the things that can make you laugh the most are the things that they don't always draw attention to. Something that is much more popular now than it was then is it's a sitcom that rewards careful viewing. You'll get a lot more out of it. But the, anyway, the, the episode will continue. They go and pick yeah. up the girl from the airport, Chris, with George. Um, and then we've had the final scene in the apartment where it is a bit more stereotypical sitcom. Mm. Where we found out, of course, that the girl who may or may not be interested in him makes all these kind of... Mm-hmm. The girl kind of brings all these signs. You know, there's the wine, the dimming of the lights and everything. And then the phone call, yeah. which of course is the girl's uh, fiance. And then it ends on a very mm. in that note. Of course, Jerry was wrong. Of course, she was throwing all these wrong signals. She's actually taken, um, and that's probably the only down part with me for that whole thing. Is it's very kind of 
wrapped up very easily in a very yeah. almost non-Seinfeldian way. It's obvious the show the show had a ways to go. I I think there there's some there's some definite enjoyable nuggets from it. Yeah, you know, you see the you see the kernel from which the the show will grow, but they didn't have they didn't have the same pacing. You know, the the pacing and and later episodes is so much quicker. There's a lot more happening, but you know, you still have them talking about nothing and 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 you know just dissecting the minutiae of their lives but there's things happening around them you know things things get going a lot quicker and and yeah you know there's a lot more to it there's there's some very clever reveals you know this this is kind of standard fare you could you know i could have described this to you as the plot of an episode of any american sitcom you care to name and you could be like oh yeah it sounds about right yeah it happened in cheers it happened in mash i'm sure it's happened in pretty much any anything you care to name um uh but the the one thing i like is i as as the show goes on and there becomes a bit of a meta narrative where in the show um around series four jerry and george decide to write a uh, a pilot which is essentially seinfeld uh, only they call it Jerry, and yes. and we have quite a fun sort of meta narrative around them trying to get it made. And there's all these jokes about like it's Seinfeld, you know, he's a stand-up, he can't act <laughs> and stuff. But I, you know, right from the get-go, Jerry is actually so good at at some of the I've already mentioned the physical comedy with the phone. Um, but his what really sells this part at the end, which could have been quite you know dry by the numbers reveal oh no she has a fiance um it's watching jerry constantly react to the new information that he's being <laughs> treated with and sort of being like oh okay yeah. i'll kick off my shoes i'll sit down with a glass of wine uh and she wants to do that and then he sort of takes a bit of a sit back and and then he sort of leans in again <laughs> and you you know it's there's nothing being said yeah. it's all just done through his slight changes in tones of voice and in his body language and it is so very yeah, his well reaction done shots his reaction shots to her talking are excellent you know i think was it a six-hour boat ride or something yeah. or a bus ride or something yeah, just like, uh, why not why not it'll be fine yeah sure <laughs> you want to stay for two nights oh yeah sure great and it all sounds great for jerry and then of course it's all brought down um and his reaction is great and he is um yeah, the, the joke within the joke as the show would go on, as you said, Chris, that kind of meta narrative that Jerry can't act, hence why the pilot fails, or one of the reasons why the pilot fails yeah. uh, in later seasons. But um, I actually think Jerry Sandville is, uh, is a very good c- comedic actor as well as a comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, I have actually seen him do stand up and comedy, and it's very good, but I can understand why some people might not like it. Um, but he is definitely very good in this show. His, his physical humour, his voices. Um, come across very well and would do for another nine years mm-hmm. as the show would eventually about season three really take off and become uh, the leading sitcom for NBC on Thursday nights uh, but by 1998 all good things must come to an end and the finale was written and Larry David who had left the show um, two years previously had come back to write the finale and it's a finale that is I think it'd be fair to say, Chris, is not standard in Hollywood terms. So no. in Hollywood terms, you have to come in, you have to finish it, you have to have, you know, uh, Rachel and Ross have to get back together and Chandler and Monica have to have kids and so on and so forth. These guys do not have a happy ending. 
No. <laughs> um, and and that's, I suppose that's it's it's more standard fare today. Um, you know, certainly I remember when we watched this at the time, I was physically quite shocked actually after watching it, and I was like, "That's how they're ending." And it? a lot of people did not like the ending. They actually did not like it. And in fact, uh, Larry David would make a whole season out of that by in his show Curb Your Enthusiasm, which again, if you've not watched. Must highly watch. recommended must watch, oh yeah. it's must watch must mm-hmm. watch it's very different to seinfeld in some regards but you can see how george was based on larry mm-hmm. the finale was not necessarily well liked but um i was interested coming back to it to see the way that larry had obviously set out chris to tie up some threads in the way that he would mm-hmm. so these are not characters who are going to get together and live happily ever after on the contrary this was always about larry coming back and making these narcissists as these characters had really become uh, pay for their bad behavior so these characters chris they can never really uh learn lessons which is a famous larry david role on the show uh, and they can never be happy they can never be content but the show starts with george and jerry back in the coffee shop having a conversation about nothing but possibly it would be fair to say chris george is at his grumpiest that is most cynical yes he's he's in a he's in a very bad way uh, uh, in this episode he's he's at quite a low ebb <laughs> very cynical very angry at every little thing <laughs> yeah it's 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 quite it's quite an intriguing contrast because in the first you know the first ever episode he's he's almost cool yes you know like he's sat there he's like he's wearing quite a fashion forward shirt um and you know he's he's replying to Jerry's barbs with quite sort of pithy mm. responses um you know whereas here George sits a broken man (laughs) he can't get anything going for him he can't even get the waitress to come bring him ketchup he's too socially anxious to just go ask for it he asks someone else at another table and they give him the third degree (laughs) and lord it over him and when he eventually gets it it's basically empty and and uh it's you know just nothing nothing is right for him nothing will ever make george isn't it interesting chris that this was probably the most watched if not the mo- well, probably one of the most watched episodes of TV that year, um, in America. Oh, definitely, um, definitely one of the. I I think at the time it set a record for the amount of people that watched it. Almost certainly would have. I mean, it was the biggest show of the time, and it was ending, and all eyes would have been on this uh, show. And yet, it starts off not with again a big bang, you know, a big plot line yet anyway. Um, it starts off with the elongated <laughs> entry in the coffee shop with these two guys, basically, as you said, at the lowest ebb, talking about nothing. Their life seems to be constantly go on and on in this coffee shop to the point where, of course, George mm. can't even get proper ketchup. Um, they eventually yeah. then, um, I think they then bump into Elaine, and then eventually the episode starts to take flight. You yep. know, uh, Elaine uh, is introduced with her little subplot with her friend who's ill, or rather her father's ill. And she has to get uh, try and get a conversation to him. And I always found that interesting looking back on this episode, Chris. Because, uh, first of all, we, we finally see Elaine, of course, where we hadn't seen her in the pilot. Uh, but she has this constant desire to leave these people, which she says... <laughs> sort of socially better herself. To socially better herself. Um, and, if you know, even in episodes leading up to this one, like, she's desperate to leave these people behind. Um, yeah. And she keeps on basically being given an out to be a better person than these people with this conversation with Jill which she never takes up, you know, she can never get the, the phone call um, completed with her. And I always thought it was quite interesting. It was almost like Larry saying, you know, giving her a chance to save herself 
but she could never quite do it. And she's dragged down with these three narcissistic incompetents. Yeah, and she's actually, every, every time she's about to make the call, like, Jerry or George will stop her and say, that was a faux pas. No, you can't do that. You can't can't call her from a, from a cell phone. That's <laughs> that's the worst. And then, you know, what, you've, you've put her on call waiting and you've told her you'll call her back? Just for me? No, what are you doing? <laughs> and, you know, when at any point she could have just said, like, stop coming up with this ridiculous etiquette the important thing is that i need to call this friend of mine and be a good friend she said just sort of falls into the oh, okay okay and sort of starts playing by their rules and and yeah like you say she 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 never gets away she's always getting dragged down um and 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 is 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 down in the dirt with the rest of them yeah and in many ways actually thinking about it it's, it's kind of similar to the pilot in that george is giving jerry these um these what did you just call them their social etiquette yeah about talking to the girl and what all these signs mean and jerry's like oh really is is that what i should do yeah nine years later it's the same idea it's really i shouldn't call her no don't call her don't don't be silly you can't call her from here a cell phone walk and talk can't do that (laughs) so uh so anyway they would eventually go back to jerry's apartment chris where the then the main driver of the episode happens which is nbc are calling that show within the show jerry they want to pick it up they want to do it and they go back to nbc we have a great scene with um george making an ass of himself which is probably one of the best things that jason alexander does um and they they push on and they they get the the private jet flight uh, to celebrate that their show is going to get picked up and they decide to go to paris but of course it's all ruined by kramer (laughs) being a buffoon being a buffoon and Michael Richards' physical comedy again, one last time comes to the fore where he's got water in his ear from a previous setup <laughs> and forces them to land in some unknown town in Massachusetts where um, they then go through this trial eventually, um, this Good Samaritan's Law. And of course, in many ways, Chris, this is this is perfect. Um, it's so look, it's not the best episode of Seinfeld. No, definitely not. But uh, you can see why they set this episode up and why they went through with it. It's it's quite distinct. I mean, I've watched it as a a whole episode because it's like an hour long special. But I think it can. I think it can and is sometimes split into two parts. And I think about the point where they get arrested is the end of of, of the first episode, which is aside from the flight on the private jet, you know, very standard fare another day in the life of of seinfeld george um you know elaine and and kramer you know they're they're talking about stupid stuff kramer's obsessing over getting water in his ear from the swimming pool and uh you know like like we say you know they're going over the rules and the social norms and it's very standard and then the second episode is almost entirely based around this this trial um which appropriately enough essentially comes down to character witnesses and Yes, you know, uh, gives us an excuse to trot out every guest star and sort of minor celebrity that's ever been on the show, every special character who is in the sort of who has become a part of the Seinfeld, uh, you know, universe. I should mention that my my favorite part of that first uh, epi- part, well, we'll call it first episode of the finale, mm-hmm. Chris, is uh, on the private jet where George, of course, he's in full curmudgeon mode. And he's complaining about this private jet. He's never been in a private jet before. He has no frame of reference, but he is immediately disappointed by it. And he get we get a great call back to 
that show within the show, Jerry, when he was writing it for a year, when he mentions Ted yeah. Danson. He's like, this is not the, this is not the plane that Ted Danson <laughs> Jerry says, Ted Danson isn't on TV anymore. Ah, still, they give him the Ted Danson plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a great callback. If you've ever watched, um, if you've never watched Seinfeld, uh, you do get into it. Trust me, um, it's a lot funnier when you have that frame of reference from the season where they actually made the TV show. But certainly my favorite part. But like I said, they hit they hit us with this this wonderful cavalcade of of uh, you know our favorite characters, um, and it's it's basically unadulterated fan service. Um, before that term was even really coined, it is. Um, it's you know I'm going to show you all your favorite characters. It's like the equivalent of that episode of The Simpsons that Ricky Gervais wrote, where he basically just wanted to put everybody in um, because you know Springfield had such a rich cast of characters. It was exactly the same thing. You know, even though I don't think he utters a word, we see um, you know Jerry's least favorite stand-up comedian Kenny Banya <laughs> has to come in for the trial. And uh, Patrick Warburton, David Puddy's character, yeah, uh, Patrick Warburton's character, David Puddy, uh, appears. He only actually has like one line. Uh, he only has one line the whole episode, and that that was always one of the greatest disappointments for me. And I'm kind of remembering conver- conversation Chris on on Buffy, where I said I walked away from the finale disappointed the first time, but enjoyed it much more uh, upon rewatch. Whereas yeah. in this time, I wouldn't say I was disappointed, but it was such a shame. That you had all these great, they, they force fed you so many of these character witnesses, you know, um, but most of them didn't speak. It was such a shame that it, the second half basically devolved into fan service through this court case. And watching yeah, it, at, and, and even a bit of a clip show. Yeah, it became a bit of a clip show. It was very clip show esque. You know, it would be who would come in next? Would we get a, a clip from that famous episode, like the one with Terry Hatcher? Terry Hatcher actually does come back for a fair amount of time. Uh, Jackie Childs is probably the recurring character that has the most to do because he is their lawyer. You know, it, it is a warm, fuzzy feeling uh, to see all these characters, but ultimately I think it does kind of slow down their Chris and stretch out the point a bit too much. However, what I would say is, uh, you know, I do like the irony that their inaction, their, you know, does sentence them. And the fact is the judge is literally one of George's lies. So one of the best recurring jokes in Seinfeld <laughs> is George's lies. Um, and one of them is Art Vandalay, who's an architect. Supposedly, it's not. It's George lying. Um, and of course, here is Judge, Judge Art Vandalay to put them in prison. As a Seinfeld fan, that finale is a bit of a guilty pleasure. It is. And, uh, um, and, and it ends with a perfect bow tie, Chris, which is the prison scene, which is an exact like for like of the first scene in the pilot. Yeah. Okay. So the, the, the scene where they're all sat in the cell together and Jerry starts... Uh, talking once again about George's buttons um, being in no man's land. That's right, the second button against the third button. Um, and it's just a nice little pointer back to that original series. But as you say, Chris, I think it is a bit of a it's a guilty pleasure for a Seinfeld fan. But if you were just watching it off the bat, you just caught it on TV, um, you, you might wonder um, if this was actually the great Seinfeld show you'd heard so much about. Um, you might think, well, why? And it, basically, this episode is, is not... Um, a typical episode but it is a kind of a guilty pleasure and a way to say goodbye um, ultimately I think it does its job but I do kind of join in that disappointment chorus It's it, they maybe could have done something different maybe more of a typical episode actually and you know they've had plenty of two-parters in the past um, ultimately the second half kind of just falls away from me as the court case bogs it down my favourite part of that whole second episode Chris is um, when they're actually waiting for the trial and the jerry and kramer are eating cereal 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we get to see Jerry eating cereal one last time, but we also get to Jackie's um, take on all of them. That George is forced to change, um, and uh, it's a it's a nice little scene. And I think um, Jerry does mention something like this is true hardship when he has to put less milk in yeah. to his cereal. Kind of just shows that this, these these characters don't really know hardship. They don't really uh, know the pain they've caused to other people in the past, yeah. and that they're going to ultimately pay for it. Yeah, they've got no real concept. Yeah, I think in terms of ending the story such as it is it does its job could it have been better yeah it probably could have been better but it certainly um certainly brings things back full circle i suspect if if it were to be if if it was shown today you know if if for whatever reason seinfeld was still going now and and this was the finale reddit would be filled with with uh, you know threads about how larry david just came back to troll his fans and and bullshit them with this this finale because you know we don't get the happy ending for Jerry and Elaine that everyone wanted and we, you know um and and he gives us clips instead of tying up all these wonderful loose threads and you know it's 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 certainly not a trolling you know it's 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 him ending the show the way he always would have wanted to end it that these horrible self-serving narcissists kind of get what they deserve they get they get slammed they in prison do. They do. <laughs> and they, uh, but not before they have literally all of their past sins revisit them in 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 sort of uh, a delightful display and that's that's a good um segue chris into um maybe why so people who are listening to this who've maybe listened to us for whatever 45 minutes to an hour talk about a show that maybe they don't like or maybe they've never watched um, it's, it's, it was always interesting to me, Chris, why Seinfeld never really took off in the UK the same way it did in the USA, because yeah. you had a show like Friends, which from episode one, you know, was on Channel Four on a Thursday night, and it was massive. It was absolutely gangbusters. And I like Friends. Don't get me wrong, I I do like Friends. Um, it's a much more gentle humor. Friends, I always find Seinfeld uproariously funny, and I actually rewatched a couple more episodes, and you'll find out why in a moment. It's part of this uh, podcast, and found myself laughing out loud. I mean, why do you think, Chris? Why do you think maybe this show never took off as much? I think it's a timing thing, and I think there's a bit of a narrative to it. And essentially, you know, if you look back into Seinfeld's history, it's very lucky that it ran as long as it did because. There were some ratings issues around the second season. Um, the first season's only like four or six episodes, I think. That's right. It was a it was a midsummer replacement show, I think. Uh, the second is maybe twelve seasons, and they had a hiatus in the middle where they were kind of not sure if they were going to continue or not. Um, so fair to say, like a lot of people weren't necessarily getting it. You know, why am I watching the show about people talking? You know, just you know shooting the shit and, and and nothing's happening you know where's the wacky neighbor um you know where's my family unit with dysfunctional kids that that i love you know um and it was actually struggling i think it was against home improvement um yet yeah. which certainly i don't think stands up if you try and watch that today um oh come obviously... on tim tim allen's little laugh still stands <laughs> up. i'm not sure <laughs> the rest <laughs> of the show <laughs> yeah i i've got a soft spot for it don't get me wrong i used to watch it all the time but it's not the same caliber of show, but Wilson, I'm going to prison. <laughs> <laughs> but certainly at the time, it was destroying Seinfeld in the ratings. Um, the same way something like Big Bang Theory was crushing Community. Uh, you know, not that long ago. Ugh. In in uh, a rare twist, 
that you just wouldn't hear of these days, the network kept giving it another shot. Um, you know, uh, they made some changes. Um, you know, they they moved to a slightly more narrative-based thing and, and, and built in some more stuff. And eventually the show took off and became, as far as America's concerned, one of the biggest sitcoms of all time um, because it was given that time to grow. Uh, and Friends actually bootstrapped themselves on Seinfeld. I think they were before or after it when when it started. Yes, I think, I think they were in American TV parlance. Seinfeld mm-hmm. was the lead-in, I think, which meant that if you... I stayed watching uh, the channel. Friends was on immediately afterwards, which meant anywhere from 15 to 20 million people watched Friends immediately afterwards. And then Seinfeld eventually ended. And of course, Friends was uh, then left on its own as the the big show on Thursday nights on Mm. NBC. So, I mean, Friends Friends got that leg up. Um, And so the difference is when Seinfeld came to our shores, it was a low-rated American sitcom that had some cult appeal. So it weren't, you know, it found its way onto the graveyard slot on BBC Two. Whereas Friends having that that leg up was, you know, like like you say, straight away a breakaway hit is so accessible. Um, you know, where some references in Seinfeld are quite heavily based in American culture or American things, you know, um, which some people aren't always willing to overlook. Friends, you know, while it's still guilty of that from time to time too is is just a lot more about universal universally uh, you know accessible one-liner gags by and large and it's it's lovely yeah. and and it's 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 fun so it's a bit easier to digest as well um so that i think they were more willing to trust it um so you know straight away it gets the primetime slot in in channel 4 um and you know so so people just had more access to it um, and obviously, as time went on, as Seinfeld's popularity raised, uh, you know, it it got a much better time slot here. But it was on Sky when at a time when not everybody had cable or Sky, and a lot, certainly a lot of my friends, when I would say to them, "Do you watch Seinfeld?" They'd be like, "Oh, is that on Sky? Oh, I've only got Terrestrial." Um, so there was an access issue, and so it's it's years after the fact before anyone can even get a look in. Uh, watching Seinfeld and then that kind of brings it back to this issue of it's a little dated and and it's ever so certainly the earlier stuff is obviously you know right in the tail end of the 80s and and you do feel the sort of uh, if you watch the pilot you do kind of feel the stink of the 80s is still on it in in their fashion and the music I think it's just unfortunate circumstance. It's just kind of odd that it's such a polar opposite to, to how it was received in the yeah, States. I, I think I agree with all of that, Chris. Uh, I also would say that um, one thing that always surprised me about why maybe more people didn't get into it was actually the sense of humour of the four of them actually resonates really well with a British sense of humour, I feel, which is much more... It's dry. It can be drier, it can be more cynical. cynical. I mean, yeah, Seinfeld has its moments, but... For anyone listening there that doesn't like rah-rah American sitcoms, who doesn't like the boy and the girl getting together at the end, or that everybody learned a lesson at the end. Oh, I sure learned a lesson today, mm-hmm. and then the sad, twinkly piano music comes in over it. Um, Seinfeld really is yeah. the antidote to that. However, as you said, maybe because of the its lack of foreknowledge here when it, it launched, um, and the fact that maybe it is a bit of its time in some regards that maybe it hasn't been mm-hmm. picked up as much. But Chris, let's solve that. Let's give our listeners... So if you're, let's fix if you're it. listening to this, if you've come this far, 
and you've listened to us two talk about a show that maybe you've never heard about or maybe you tried and you didn't like. And as you say, Chris, you tried to get your wife into it from episode one because you did what you do, right? <laughs> you do you, Chris. And that is you watch things from the first episode to the last episode. From day and eventually one. we're going to bring yeah. that up in a Marvel themed episode and talk about Chris, why I went through three seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and we get to laugh at you <sighs> for doing that. But if you've come this far with us on Seinfeld, give us an opportunity to talk you into watching it because it truly i mean there's nine seasons of of episodes out there for you to watch and if you need like a gateway drug me and chris are now going to provide you with a couple of them so chris the first one that comes to me is the first i think true classic that i watched when i was watching it late night on my own before i would force you to watch it and that is the episode the contest so the contest is in season four it's written by larry david who created the show with uh, jerry seinfeld wrote a lot of the episodes and in in essence, the whole episode's about masturbation. Uh, George is caught by his mother um, <laughs> in the living room because he's had to move back home with his mom and dad and uh, over a glamour magazine of everything. And he then talks to the, the, the three others in the coffee shop and says, I'm never going to do that again. And of course, they all call BS and they have a little contest. Um, but all four of them face temptations in the episode. Uh, there's a nudist uh, across the street. There's uh, Jerry's date, who's a virgin, called Marla, who's played by Jane Leaves, who would be in Frasier. Mm-hmm. George also has a... Uh, he goes to visit his mum, who's put in traction because he caught him. <laughs> and she is having a sponge bath. Sorry, the next door um, cubicle, the woman who happens to be beautiful, is also having a sponge bath every night with a beautiful nurse. And for Lane, she gets only John F. Kennedy Jr., or she would call him John John. Um, to be her temptation and every night as each of them succumb to temptation you check in on their um, their mental state through their nighttime sleep is it interrupted are they tossing and turning are they sleeping uh, very soundly Um, it is a hilarious episode and it also coins some of the best phrases for (laughs) being in control of your masturbation (laughs) because they could never mention it. You've got to remember this was like 1993. Yeah, can't can't get that past the networks. It was Um, amazing that they did get it past the network, Chris, considering the content, but they never once mentioned either masturbation or any other term for it. Um, They just call it it. Um, And then the rest of it is all about these phrases. So they call it, are are you master of your domain? I am king of the county. King of the castle. <laughs> Lord of the manor, or as Elaine says, queen of the castle. Um, yeah. It is a fantastic episode, and each of the, the actors kind of intertwines in this single plot line um, as they have this contest about something that is, frankly, disgusting, <laughs> but it is yeah. um, it is hilarious, and I recommend that as one of my gateway drugs. Uh, Chris, what stands out to you? What episode would you maybe suggest to people? When I was li- I, I was making this list, I stopped at 12. I had 12 episodes that uh, and that was i'd only gone up to season six and i'd come up with 12 and and for each and every one of these episodes i was like this is like vintage seinfeld you you cannot watch this and not find it hilarious and not want to watch every you know everything else that's been uh you know created um so it is hard to pick um but one of the main ones i think i have to talk about is the puffy shirt so the puffy the puffy shirt is um I think one of the best examples of how Seinfeld almost borders on farce when, you know, but 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 done in, in a, a really strong, a very funny way. Uh, you know, it builds up quite slowly. Some fairly mundane things are happening. 
George has got to move back in with his mother because he's out of work and he's just depressed and low and uh jerry and lane go out to dinner with kramer and his new girlfriend and uh you know we come across one of many seinfeld-esque phenomena this woman is a low talker yeah whenever she's talking you've just got to strain to vaguely hear what she's saying and pretty much you can't in an awkward situation jerry ends up uh left alone with her and ends up agreeing to something that he has no idea what he's agreed to do um meanwhile uh george out and about uh, comes across somebody who spots his hands and, and notes how beautiful they are and he becomes a hand model things are looking up which you know can't be good because nothing can ever work out for george of course so he's, he's on top of the world he's a hand model he even makes a reference to the contest um in in saying that he can resist his own hands because he won a contest <laughs> And things essentially all come to a head when Jerry realizes that the thing he agreed to was to wear this ridiculous puffy shirt, the sort of thing with ruffles that a pirate would wear uh, when he's on The Tonight Show, which is uh, a gig I believe Elaine booked him. Um, she's saying, like, you can't be serious, you can't wear that. That it's, it's humiliating, it's a benefit for homeless people, you can't wear something like that. Um, but he's agreed to it, he goes out in it. Um, he gets heckled, he's embarrassed, and then the, the, the host starts just, he can't take him seriously, he keeps giving him crap. And so that just kind of breaks Jerry, and he says, you know what, it's a stupid shirt, I don't want to wear it, I didn't know I was agreeing to wear it when I did. Um, and then all of a sudden, the low talker finds her voice, and uh, goes mental. Uh, you know, I don't want to ruin how it ends, I just want to say that it is it is sublimely put together. And each character in this episode, for me, kind of shines um, you see a lot of their very funny qualities, um, but it is probably most heavily leaning on George, which is usually a sign of Absolutely. a very strong episode. Because I, I, I think it's fair to say Jason Alexander was probably, it's probably the one with the most sort of comedy chops. Um, I, I would actually say Julia Louise Dreyfus is right up there with him. I, I agree, with, I agree with you that he is, mm. he, he's the most actor of the old mall. I think he was like a stage actor before he got into this, but. Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, yeah. for me, has probably got the, the most natural uh, comic timing of the four. But I think they're all very good. And moving yeah. on from that, Chris, I think another episode I've got to suggest to people as a as a gateway into this show is The Marine Biologist. So it's an episode from season five. It was the episode that got our dad into Seinfeld. And I still remember watching that show yeah. and have him kind of glimpsing over his newspaper more and more as the episode went on <laughs> with a smile and then a giggle. And then at the very end... It has a killer ending, this episode. He's falling about laughter. He's falling about laughing, tears in his eyes, as we are as well. And I was just as happy watching him laugh at it than I was at myself. And it's another episode, just, you know, just as you were saying, Chris, with the puffy shirt, it's got almost French farce all over it. So you've got four different characters who do four different things and they all come together. So Jerry, who's lying for George to get a date and tells a joke to Elaine that uh, impacts George, who has to go on the date, and the lie envelops him. Um, Kramer gives Elaine an electric <laughs> organizer, and that, combined with Jerry's joke, impacts her, and she loses a job over it. And meanwhile, Kramer goes golfing into the ocean, and that all comes to a head with George pretending to be a marine biologist. I will not spoil the ending whatsoever. But suffice to say, the whole episode's hilarious, but when they get to the final scene in the coffee shop, and the explanation for what ha just happened 
His George is telling an enraptured audience about his trip to the beach on this date, on this big lie where he was lying to be a, a marine biologist, which Jerry had set him up to. It's it just I just remember as much for the the quality of the episode as it was for uh, my father's reaction to it. And to this day, we joke about Seinfeld <laughs> moments and references, but that episode uh, really takes some beating. Yeah, no, this is definitely one of the strongest ones. And what was fun for me as well is as I was going through this list, um, as I say, you know, I I noted down a short list of of 12. What was fun for me was to think, which ones would Steve pick? So obviously I had the contest on there on the assumption that if I went first, that would be the one that I said. And if you went first, it'd be the one that you said. Um, (laughs) And so I definitely have to say, if you're going to watch any of them, watch the contest got the chance to give a few a try get the puffy shirt i'd also suggest just throw a few names out there the the glasses in which the very basic premise is that george loses his glasses yeah and he sees he thinks he sees things but he's not too sure and sort of things evolve from there um the wink um which is uh also based around uh an embarrassing moment for george <laughs> yeah i think yeah i think all my favorite episodes his storyline uh, sort of is the one that stands out to me the most. Yeah, I would also add into that the Soup Nazi. The Soup Nazi is one of the most recognisably mainstream episodes. And again, if you're listening to this and you think, The Soup Nazi, that's an episode title. Yes, it is. It is an absolute classic sitcom moment. And again, it's another one that all four characters are given something great to do. So, Chris, I think we've uh, we've hopefully given the audience... Some food for thought. Some food for thought, some episodes to watch. I do implore you, like, if you're... If you're, watch, if you're listening to this and you've never given Seinfeld a go, you may be given Seinfeld a go and you've watched an episode that didn't resonate with you, try the contest, which is from uh, season four, or the marine biologist from season five, or the puffy shirt, which I think may also be from season five, Chris. Um, Pretty sure it's season five. It's season yeah. five or season six. I mean, look out for those ones. They're all on Amazon Prime, so if you've got Amazon Prime membership, they are free. They're in widescreen as well, which I don't think I've ever seen, yeah. Chris. I think my DVDs are actually still in 4.3 format. Mm. so these are all yeah, way sure they are, yeah. um and they're free and you can download them and watch them on the go watch those three episodes and see if they convert you and then go back and watch some of them don't watch it from the pilot onwards because that's really for true hardcore fans i think at that point yeah it's, it's i think it serves better as a coda like to go back and mm. and sort of see it from the start because you'll appreciate it once you fall in love with the characters and the way the show's put together and the banter between them then going back and watching those earlier episodes you'll love it but going in cold um it it, it can be a bit sort of tough sledding in there i think yeah yeah i agree i agree well chris this has been a lot of fun but what we're going to do next time oh steve 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 what to do next time so um i've decided to give you a bit of an easier ride uh next time (laughs) uh so you know our first our first thought when when creating this podcast was things we think the other should have seen. Yeah. Now, um, you know, in some cases, this has been Stone Cold classics that just for for some reason uh, the other has missed. Um, for me, I this isn't necessarily a Stone Cold classic. I just think it's a fantastic film, and it infuriates me that you haven't watched it to okay. the point where I feel like I just need to make you watch it so we can um, discuss it and enjoy it uh, together. Um, so that's 21 Jump Street. I'll right. say no more. I will leave you to to watch it. I'll save you some time. It's not on Netflix. Yeah. 
I have a list of about seven films uh, that at some point I'm going to make you watch and none of them are on Netflix. I checked earlier because I, <laughs> I, I wanted to give you an easier ride this week, but... Um, Is no it on Amazon? Do you, Do you know to... if it's on Amazon? I don't know if it's on Amazon. It okay. might be on Amazon. Um, I haven't checked that one yet. Okay, well, that's all for this episode. We're going to be back in two weeks' time talking 21 Jump Street. In the meantime, if you wish, you can keep in touch with us on twitter at obrotherpod you can like us at facebook.com slash obrotherpodcast and finally we ask that you subscribe and review on itunes and now yes on stitch.com and tunein.com so i've been steve he's been chris and we'll see you next time <laughs>